If you have ever felt like your business is all over the place, overly complicated, and you're confused on how to move forward, then this episode is for you. I am joined by my friend Elizabeth Henson to talk about the concept of a simplified business that feels light and easy. Elizabeth Henson is the owner of Elizabeth Henson Inc., founder of the Messy Success Podcast and the Community Growth Lab. Elizabeth has been a go-to expert in the field of community-based marketing and leadership. She helps six and seven figure companies become pros at building and maintaining large communities that turn into marketing machines. Elizabeth is a mom to three and after 10 years of building her business, she is in a season of simplifying. You'll hear what it means to simplify your business, where to start, and how to know if you're making things more difficult than they need to be. I could have talked to Liz all day. She is one of those people that is just so full of light and life that you just want to spend all the time with her. I cannot wait for you to give this a listen. Hello and welcome to the Called to Both podcast. I'm your host, Joy Michelle, and you're in the right place if you're ready to grow your business while also being the intentional and present mom you want to be. This show will leave you feeling inspired, equipped with tangible tips, and encouraged to go after your own version of being called to both. Let's dive in. Okay, Elizabeth, I am so excited to get into this interview. I know I have had the privilege of being on your podcast, the Messy Success Podcast, a couple of times. So this is long overdue. So welcome to Call to Both. Hi. Hey, I'm so excited. I was so excited when you started this podcast, by the way. Oh, Just the whole you. like topic is so near and dear to my heart. So I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be great. So I feel like to kick us off... How did you get to this point in your business where now you are teaching about business, talking about communities and simplifying your business? What has brought us here to today? Oh my gosh. Well, the short version is I was a photographer just like you and mm-hmm. I kind of fell in love with helping other women not just become photographers but build sustainable businesses. And I just decided that I didn't want to box myself into only working with photographers and I just continued self-development on steroids, trying to figure out, do I want to be a business coach or a strategist or a consultant? But really, it just boils down to like, I love helping people have that moment where they realize that they can do something that they absolutely love and make a living doing it. And I kind of feel like that's my life's purpose is to just help people see opportunity. So that's the short version, but photography is what started it all. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And of course, we share that. We have that in common. But I think also you said just being a lifelong learner and constantly absorbing information. And I love that about your show. And I've learned so much from your show. So tell me, I recently, I feel like in your world, I've been seeing so much of your content talking about simplifying your business. And that is why I was like, Liz, you have to come on my show. We have to talk about this because I think as creatives, as entrepreneurs, we can tend to overcomplicate things. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this topic and just kind of, yeah, if you want to run with it or tell me like what this means to you to simplify your business and what where you're at in this journey of simplification. Yeah, I love that. So one of my core values in my company is light and easy, right? And how we describe that core value of light and easy is what feels light and easy for us, but provides maximum impact and care to the client. Because 
as a society, we have this belief that like we have to work harder, that if we're going to do something better or we're going to serve someone better, we have to work harder, give them more, do more. And that's actually false. Like if you look at our society, the people that worked the hardest, the single moms that work three jobs that are still broke versus the wealthiest people who work a couple hours a day and go out on their yacht on the weekend, like it is the opposite of what we think. And I need that reminder because I am very, um, I get distracted easily. I overthink. So having that core value of keeping things light and easy for us, but maximum impact for the customer has just been a game changer for my business and trying to focus on one bridge at a time, not five, (laughs) because I am the queen of like, I want to build all the things and sell all the things and help all the people. So it is a challenge for me daily. I can't say that I've mastered it, but it's definitely something that we try to embody. Yeah. I love that you mentioned that this is a core value and how oftentimes we overcomplicate things. And I have fallen into that, especially this past year, thinking if something isn't working the way that I want it to work in my business or even in my life, that it probably just needs more. And then I realized, like, why is my default to think I need more time, more softwares, more tools, more help, more automation? I'm like, wait, maybe this answer is like, can we simplify it? Can we make it easier? Um, Have I made this more complicated potentially than it needs to be? So is there something that you've simplified recently in your business that you can share with us? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I used to try to do all these one to many offers, right? And a one to many offer requires a lot of parts, like you need a webinar, and you need a funnel, and you need all these things. When really, like, if if I want a high ticket client, I just email people. <laughs> like, mm. I was way over complicating that process when really, all you have to do is look in your network, like I started this entire spreadsheet of my network, and I will literally just email people like, do you know anyone that needs X, Y, and Z and get those conversations started? And like that keeps me booking clients and keeps me networking and keeps me giving back. And I'm like, it didn't require any parts and pieces. It's not outward facing. It takes a few minutes. You know, if it's a high ticket offer, you only need like three to five people to say yes. So you reach out to 10. Good to go. (laughs) Crazy. And zero social media and no Pinterest and all these things are wonderful, but like hacking into your network is so smart. And you're like the community queen over here. So I love that you're pairing this community growth with your actual network and saying, where can I find these higher end clients? Okay. This thinking about pairing back, it makes me ask this question. Is there such a thing as like, oversimplifying? Like, have you ever taken this too far where you've canceled something or taken it so far back that it doesn't make sense anymore? No, I don't think I have necessarily done that. Like, I always have to really work hard to simplify. But I do think that we can simplify something to the point where we're like avoiding automation tools or things that might make our life easier. Like I think about when I started, you know, photography and like someone would want to work with me and I would just send them an email back like, okay, cool. Like here's a paragraph, here's my pricing. And yes, it kept it really simple, but it was actually Mm. more work for me and like not as white glove of an experience for them, you know? So it's like, I had to like get with the times and have a pricing guide and have a website and have like an online payment portal. You know, there are people that are still like having people sign their contracts on paper and like scan it back. Like to me, that's like, you're resisting 
um, trying something new and learning something new and keeping it simple because it works, but you also have to like evolve a little bit. So I think that's kind of where I've seen those tendencies in myself or in other people, but I'm definitely more of an overcomplicate than oversimplify. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that on a deep level. I definitely, I want a more simplified business. And so that is something that I'm seeking in my business. Do you have any advice for a way to begin this? Like Mm. where to start or what to ask yourself when you're seeking a more simplified business? Yeah. I mean, I think focusing on building one bridge at a time. And when I say bridge, I mean like one revenue stream um, at a time and not continuing to jump among other things. And, you know, looking back, like this whole trend of like being multi-passionate, right? We can all be multi-passionate, but if you really want your business to be successful and sustainable and profitable, just build one thing at a time until you master the machine that sells it, right? Building a course and delivering a course is like the easy part. Mm-hmm. Marketing it in a sustainable way is the difficult part. So if you can master the selling machine of the thing, that's when yeah. you move on to the next bridge. And I wish that I could say I'm like, oh, I'm the master of this. But no, I mean, I have to work hard to try to embody these ways of being of who I need to become to like master Mm. that one bridge. Right. But knowing that that's where I struggle, I feel like that's an area that I can tell people don't do what I have done. Like really just focus on one bridge and getting it super profitable so that you can step out of it. It will continue to make money and then start the next bridge. Mm. Okay. It sounds like you're speaking from experience and potentially (laughs) doing a lot of the wrong things. So if you could go back to your younger self in your business at really at any point, what is something that you wish you would have done differently? Or even like if you could have sat down and had a conversation with yourself in those early years, like what would you say? Oh my gosh, just exactly that. Like stick with the bridge. And it's so funny because I always tell people about my Find Your Vibe Mastermind that you were actually in, God, like five or six years ago. And it was super successful. I did three cohorts of it. I did a beta and then I did two cohorts. And it was profitable. It was successful. And then I just like put it on the shelf because I wanted to go do something else. Right. And to this day, I'm like, if I would have stuck with that one thing, because I had a good offer, I had a good Mm -hmm. conversion rate, I had good results. Like I would probably be making like half a million dollars a year off of that one thing, but I couldn't just stick with one bridge. Like I had to go off and do something else. And that is who I am at a core. So there's a balance of like, let's embrace who we are. Like there's no shaming, there's no guilt, but I didn't have like the mind of a CEO that I have now. I was kind Mm. of like just figuring it all out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was watching a video Uh, like some YouTuber was talking about different streams of income and she was saying she like turned on this faucet and was like, you've got to make sure that like that stream is fully flowing before you move on to the next one. And immediately I was like, oh, awkward. Like I have all these like things going on, you know, and some of them are like a drip and some of them are like a full stream. And so that was just a really powerful visual for me of realizing that you know, it's like I was running around spinning plates and there wasn't a whole lot of intention on one. And I like that you're saying this is like the bridge. Like what is the focus? Do you focus on a bridge for a certain amount of time or until that bridge is strong? Like how do you see that 
in your business. Yeah, I don't know that you ever really stop focusing on it, but you once you build a machine that works, then it's like just looking at the different pieces and parts of like, okay, here's the welcome sequence. They seem to fall off at email number three. And you just mm-hmm. continue to be a scientist of every little piece and part of that that machine, but you can build a team that then starts to manage it and do it for you. And you're only showing up for like, you know, the CEO parts, but also like, I know we have a lot of like working moms listening to this podcast and I don't want to overwhelm people or say like, don't experiment because I wouldn't be as knowledgeable as I am if I hadn't just been willing to take messy action and throw spaghetti at the wall. So you know, while my smart CEO present day self was like, hmm, could have done that differently. I might not be that smart version of myself had I not done all the scrappy, crazy things that I've done. So it's definitely a balance of both. Like, let's embrace the messy journey. Let's take action because that's the best way to find clarity and next steps. But also like, stick with the bridge. <laughs> mm, I love that. <laughs> that yes. You can do it. Like don't, yeah. I would always give up when it came to the cold traffic part. Like my warm audience would buy everything that I put out there. I mean, I have women that have bought every single offer I've ever created. So I just Amazing. kept creating new for them and oh, okay. I never mastered the cold traffic. <laughs> mm. Hey, photographers. I know just how many steps and pieces it takes to set up a professional photography business that you can feel confident in. So I created a one-stop solution. It's called Hobby to Pro Toolkit. Inside Hobby to Pro Toolkit, you will get every tool, template, and guide you need to confidently go pro in your business so that you can get back behind the camera and spend more time doing what you love. Hobby to Pro includes email templates I've been using for eight years in my business, pricing guides, three contracts, consultation guides, and more. It is quite literally a one-stop solution for all of the business backend in your photography business. To check it out, simply go to hobbytoprotoolkit.com or go to the show notes and you will find it linked there too. Stop the overwhelm and go confidently pro in your photography business with Hobby to Pro Toolkit. Okay, so you mentioned team. Where do you think having a team plays into having a simplified business? Yes. Oh my gosh. Like my team is everything to me at this point. I always say like my podcast wouldn't exist if I had to get rid of my team. Like literally I would, my podcast would have to go away because I don't have, I I do, I would be able to get the episodes uploaded, but there would be no SEO. There would be no show notes. There would be no like social pushing out of the podcast. Like it would kind of just sit there, which defeats the purpose And uh, my team has really grown our Pinterest and that's performing well. That would go away. Like there's just Mm -hmm. no way that I could function and get some of the visibility and list building things that we're doing without them. So that 100% simplifies it because I'm not doing any of those, you know, 10 to $25 an hour tasks. Like I'm staying in tasks that are closer to my hourly rate, you know, as the Mm. business owner. So it keeps it simple in how I show up for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it sounds like part of simplifying is pairing back what is on your plate so you can actually focus on the bridge that you need to be focusing on and let people help you. Um, I I feel the same way about my team. What, if I can ask, what was your first hire for the team or the business you have today? Because I know you've had lots of iterations and, and different twists and turns along the way, but the business that you have today, 
who on the team was that first hire? Yeah, I did a lot of things wrong when it came to outsourcing and delegating because I had like no systems or processes. Like, you know, I think a lot of people make the mistake of like trying to hire to solve a problem. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I need to do Facebook ads. So I'm just going to hire someone to do Facebook ads. But if you don't have like a proven offer Mm -hmm. that already performs well, you're not going to be able to have successful Facebook ads. And most Facebook ads, people aren't necessarily teaching people how to have a good offer. So I made that mistake really early on of just like, oh, let me just throw some money at this problem I want to solve. And the difference now is that like, I try to understand everything before I then delegate it, which Mm -hmm. is great because then you're not hiring as expensive of people either because they don't have to be an expert at something. Like my Pinterest you know, assistant, I just bought her a course, had her go through the Pinterest course. And then she's like off to the races. So like, I didn't have to hire a Pinterest expert, I just hired a normal person. (laughs) Yes. You know, which is far more like, it's going to be more sustainable to have more team members when you're starting off, if you can train them yourself and not get someone that's like an SEO expert, a Pinterest expert, a Facebook ads expert. And like you said, the best way to do that is if you at least have your SOPs or basic understanding, or you can hand them a course. I love that you bought your team member a course and just said, here, take this. And I will pay you to do this. And a lot of people are excited about that because they are genuinely interested in in growing their skills as well. And then they become a more marketable VA or whatever it is. And I just, I think that's great. So finding people that want to grow with you is huge. So, okay. With, I, yeah. I'm like, I don't want it to get totally into team. I am, it's totally I, true though. Cause she has another Pinterest client now, like all yeah. things to like, yeah. Yes. Like, this has so happened true. with a team member of mine as well. Right. Yeah. yeah. And with Pinterest, it's so interesting because it's so needed. And once you kind of get a little bit of a approach with Pinterest, you can market it to other people. And that's exactly what my <sighs> VA has done. Um, okay. So I see all these softwares and I kind of want to try all of them. And I see especially like the texting softwares where you can have um, almost like email marketing, but it's text marketing. And I see these things and I wonder if it's just like shiny object, like am I making this more complicated? And I'm curious like if you have thoughts on like how you choose softwares or programs or courses, like how do you decide if it's going to support your light and easy core value Mm. or if it's just another distraction. Oh my God. I feel like you know like that I'm going through this exactly right now for some reason. Like, oh my God. Um (laughs) so I do tend to like explore the software a little bit. Like right now I'm really trying to find a community building platform that's off of Facebook that I'm comfortable endorsing because that is the number one question I get asked is like, what should I use if I'm going to build a platform off Facebook? And so I'm dabbling and I'm trying out Heartbeat. They have a great affiliate program. They're kind of like Slack, which I love. But I'm like kind of hitting this point where I'm like, it's not quite as user friendly as I was hoping. And now I'm starting to feel like I'm kind of distracted. So like, how important is this? Right. And I don't have the answer yet because like I'm literally gauging that this week of like, how many hours or how much time can I dedicate to trying to learn this new software? 
mm-hmm. is the juice going to be worth the squeeze? Like, yep. And that's it. Don't know. Sometimes that's the best way of putting it too. I'm going to totally steal that. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. So do you track your time that you sink into these things when you are exploring new softwares that you have a point to it? You're thinking, I'm going to educate on this. I'm going to potentially host my community on this. It furthers the vision that you have, of course. But then at a, at a certain point, you're like, mm, maybe it's not it. Do you almost have this like inner compass? It sounds like you're starting to feel it. You just feel yeah. like this isn't it and I'm yeah. potentially wasting my time. Yeah. I mean, and definitely when with the free trial. So they have a 14-day free trial. So I'm giving myself 14 days to like make a decision. Am I in or am I out? So um, I do try to balance my time because I look at this as more like creative time, not priority time. So, you know, like Tuesday, I had really big, important meetings, like didn't touch it on Tuesday. But then yesterday, I had a free hour that I just like kind of tinkered around, like try to figure it out. Then I had like random 30 minutes before bed, which I wouldn't really consider like work time, but it was creative time. So I do like intuitively keep track of it. I'm not so hardcore that I'm like writing it down or anything like that. But to your text message question. I do think it depends on the business, but we have seen really great success with text messaging in Joey's business. We just added it like three to six months ago. This is all that I hear. And that's what gets me so excited because I think it's like the competitive, like Enneagram three starts like rising up in me. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to get left behind on this because this is exciting. And I, it's definitely like in my notion board, like I have a discount code for a certain software that I'm like, I'm going to try that. I'm going to see that. But for me, I know that it's a distraction right now because I have these other things that need my focus for like at least the next quarter, like at least the next 90 days. Um, Okay. You mentioned creative time versus priority time. Do you break up your work day in a, in a way that you can share? Like how do you plan out your time when you're working? Oh my gosh. This is like one of my favorite things that has really made me step into a higher level business owner because I am type B. I'm messy. I like to sit down and not know what I'm doing. Like I like, I like that feeling sometimes. Yeah. Like an <laughs> but, open, yes. do whatever you want. Yeah. Yes. But what I noticed is I started to get very frustrated with myself with mm. either bigger projects not getting done or just not feeling like I was properly prioritizing you know, I really started surrounding myself with very high level business owners. And I started to see my own gaps, right? Like Mm -hmm. they were a mirror of like the stuff that I wasn't doing. So I learned what's called like strategic planning and mapping in your calendar. And I just use a Google calendar, but every single minute from 830 when I start until four o'clock when I stop is like literally written out, like what I'm working on. So every morning from eight to 10, this is like an exception, right? Because this is a cool opportunity to be on your podcast. But every morning from eight to 10 is like, I'm only allowed to work in my business. So no client work, no whatever, no meetings, just my own business from eight to 10 every morning. Um, And then within those little blocks, I will write like to do's like recording a podcast or my assistant Amanda knows if the team needs something, she will put that in those green blocks. Like that's where she's allowed to put my tasks (laughs) and she'll do it for me so that they don't have to say like, Liz, I need this. They just go to Amanda and she writes it in the the time block. And then the day is just built out like that. My gym is blocked in from three to five every Monday and Wednesday. 
Um, if I have to pick up Anthony, that is literally in my calendar, how early I need to stop working to go pick up Anthony, walking the dog like 15 minutes if I have 15 minutes in between meetings. So it's like this beautiful, like color coded, like schedule. But in that schedule, there is what I call like white space or deep project work. So if I have a two hour block, it'll say like deep project. And that's when I know I'm building a sales page or a landing page or an email funnel, stuff like that. So um, yes. And it sounds like people listening might be cringing like, oh, that's too much structure. But you build in the time off. Like the gym yeah. time is part of the work. The rest is part of the work. Walking the dog is part mm. of the work. So you just build that in. And what I found was I enjoyed walking the dog so much more because it wasn't like, oh my God, I got to get back to my desk. Like, you know, screw you, Luna. Like I got to work. I got to work. It was like, no, <laughs> like this is what my day looks like. And this is built in, right? Like I had that permission. Yes. No, I actually love this. And it's like you're saying, it can sound constraining at first for someone who hasn't had that like color-coded calendar, digital plan where it's like 30-minute time slots. Like that sounds intense, but literally this is a calendar of things you have chosen. And so the slots feel different because it's filled with the stuff you have chosen. And one thing that really stands out to me is the two-hour slot every day for your business. Mm -hmm. And that is something I hear constantly in my DMs with my coaching clients, like my students there, like I am so busy with client work and just fulfilling on like the minimum and just being a mom that like I have the same stuff on my to-do list and it just keeps getting moved over. These projects aren't happening. Like when do I work on my business? And it's like you're saying, it's like you're carving that time out. It's like the profit first model, but for your time. It's like you get the time, you get the pay first, and then you figure out where else can this fit in. And it's such a mental shift. It, it does take a second. It probably ebbs and flows with your season. Like your, your calendar is going to change, but it's huge. And then it's so encouraging to see these projects actually start to come to fruition. And that's motivating. And that keeps you going. Because I know that when you're just doing client work, it's fulfilling in its own way and it's it's money, but then it can be creatively draining. Yeah. And you don't have that time to sit there and, and play with a software without feeling like, oh my gosh, I should be editing. I should be doing this design work. I should be doing something else. So I really like that. And this is definitely challenging me to revisit my calendar a little bit, make sure I have enough white space because then I could say like, okay, I do want to play with this tech software, but like, let's assign it to a time. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I'm you know, it's all the shoulds, like I should be doing this or I should be doing that. So that's so helpful. And I love that you have given your team members permission as well to to step into this so that it's not like you by yourself in your calendar and they're doing their own thing. Have you found that like the more you invite your team members into like all of this, the more cohesively you guys work together? Yeah. And the best way to get started with the calendar stuff, especially if you're kind of type B like me, is to to get on a call with a team member, right? So you and I would get on a call together. We would, we would screen share and look at the calendar together. And she will ask me questions like, what do you want to get done this week? Like what's on your plate this week? And then as I'm talking and kind of brainstorming, she's like helping me fill them into the calendar. And I would say, okay, Thursday is a good day. Like I don't have calls Thursday. Let's build a big project in on Thursday. 
And having that accountability, like I would meet with her every single Tuesday. And sometimes I was like, oh, I got other things to do. But that calendar mapping for 30 minutes every single Tuesday would make the entire next seven days go that much smoother. And Mm. just having her eyes on it so she knows how I like my calendar, so she knows what to do. And that accountability piece, you know, for me was absolutely huge. That is huge. I actually, that's it's like holding you because it's you've said it, you've shared it, and now someone else knows about it. Yes. And you're more likely to do it. And I've noticed that is the same with content being consistent. As soon as I have team members saying like, okay, so when do you want me to publish that video? Or like, I'm waiting on you for the next piece. It kind of lights a fire under you're like, okay, shoot. All right. Like I got to get going. But it's it's in the best way possible. Because sometimes when, when it's just you, it can be easy to like kick the can down the road a little bit on some deadlines. So this is awesome. I love this. Okay. So you, what are your work hours right now? So about like eight, eight fifteen until four, but like Mondays and Wednesdays, I end early to go to the gym. And then, I mean, I have four o'clock meetings every Thursday, so it's not perfect, but I map from up until four every day. Okay. I love this. Okay, any final thoughts or just pieces of wisdom around simplifying, simplifying life, simplifying business so that we can be in alignment with our core values? Yeah, I mean, and I I have three kids at home. So I do say like, okay, I work eight to four, but I'm telling you that builds in my son coming home from daycare around one, some kind of lunch break with him, get him down for a nap. My girls get off the bus at 315. So like that's all built in to the calendar, right? Like it's, I'm still very much like, you know, part-time work, part-time mom, just like you. I know you're like such a master of like your tiny little window of time, right? But you know, I have like clients on the West Coast. So I do have to be somewhat around and available, like kind of weird hours in the afternoon, but really just scheduling in that time with my son into my workday. It's like the guilt is no longer there. This like push and pull of like, oh, I should be working, but I should be with my kids, but I should be working, but I should be with my kids. It's like, no, I can actually see, okay, I'm working for two hours and then I'm spending an hour with Anthony And then I have one quick meeting before the girls get off the bus. Like I'm doing it all and it's not stressful because I can like see it with my eyes and everything kind of unfolds as it should, you know? Yeah. I love that. Okay. Well, that kind of leads me into like, I have some rapid fire questions and I think that's like perfect off of the heels of what you just said. What does call to both mean to you? Oh my gosh. I, when you came up with that name, I don't know if you remember, I was like, that is the best name. And I trademarked that immediately. <laughs> like it's so good. So for me, what comes up is like, I have this pet peeve when my students, my clients or people in general say, oh yeah, like I would love to have a business, but like my kids come first or, oh man, I would love to go to the gym that much, but like my kids come first. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, it makes me cringe because I'm like, are they saying that I'm not prioritizing my children because I don't think that way because I just don't think it has to be a this or that. And I am choosing my kids and putting them first by taking care of myself and by building my dreams and showing them what's possible. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I hear called to both, I hear the permission that they can be equally prioritized. Right. And we shouldn't have to say out loud, I put my kids first. Like, I don't have to say that. That's like known, like a universal thing. Like, 
of course, you don't have to say yeah. that out loud. Your kids come first. You're a mother, right? <laughs> yes. I remember when you shared this with me and the way that you put that was just so perfect. You're like, well, yeah, I didn't think we had to say it, right. but yes, like, of course. And it's just so true. I love the way you put that. Yeah. It's like when people say that out loud, it's kind of like that's their own stuff, right? Like they've got their mm -hmm. own stuff going on where they're not giving themselves permission to do what they really want to do, you know? And like there's yeah. there's fear there. There's like that's their safety net that they safety net that they don't have to get uncomfortable to like do this big thing. Like I see all that so clearly now. But yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it almost you almost want to say interesting story that you're telling yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. I guess that's true for you. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's so good. Okay. What is one thing that has surprised you about motherhood? Okay. This is not business related at all, but I was 100% that person that was like, ew, like I'm never letting my kids eat in the car or like, oh, God, my friend's kids like chicken hands are all over my TV, right? Like I was definitely one of those people that was like, I will not be that parent. And like the first time they're screaming and not even a year old, I'm like throwing Cheerios in the back seat. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. You're chucking food. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. That's like me with printed tees. And now of course my son is like, wears like monster truck shirts and like dinosaurs, like everything's dinosaurs and it's the tackiest stuff you've ever seen, but he's obsessed and I'm happy if he's happy. So like yeah. I've become this new person. It's great. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. You were, you were an anti-graphic tea person before kids. I like literally won't buy it. Like I don't yeah. gravitate towards it. And so I just love just like neutrals and like plain stuff. And like, yeah, I don't like dressing the kids kid, like, like a little adult. <laughs> Yeah, I guess like I don't even know like who knows what deep-seated problem I have. But then oh, now so I have to like if I see something that has like a dinosaur with sunglasses and like a guitar, I'm like, here I am buying like a little tank top for my two-year-old. And it's like it's full of things that are like against everything I, I used to say. But it's here we hilarious. are. It's hilarious how you view being a parent before you're actually a parent. Oh, yeah. And now, you know, you just smile. Like yeah. I have, you know, some of my siblings have kids, some of them don't. And you just, you just smile. And like my husband and I look at each other and we're like, this is going to be entertaining. Like, because uh -huh. you know, it's just, it unfolds and like you find your way. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. What is one tool or tip that you can share that has helped you thrive in alignment between business and motherhood or, or both? Yeah, I think really just knowing that environment is everything and we have to surround ourselves with successful people and people that are where we want to go. I know that's not necessarily like a tool, but if like if somebody took away every piece of software and even my freaking computer, like as long as I still had like human beings that are two steps ahead of me or somehow like in where I want to be like it is a game changer. And I remember having like this defining moment when I was a teacher where someone was like, if you continue to hang around the same people, you get the same results. And I was like, my five best friends are teachers. No wonder, like there, nobody's mm -hmm. encouraging me to like leave my job and follow my dreams. Like we all make the same amount of money. And then even mm -hmm. being a local photographer in my area, we all make the same amount of money. We're all kind of doing the same things. Like I had to really push the envelope and continue to surround myself with people that, you know, I could continue to learn from. And it's kind of hard lessons to learn along the way. It's like a whole nother episode we could do, but it really changes everything. Just, you know, being open to networking and, and not trying to do it alone. 
Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. I got like chills while you were talking about just when you look around at your circle and you're like, okay, maybe let's let's add some people, you know? Yeah. That's definitely our next episode is like, <laughs> you know, expanding your circle and, and up-leveling through exp- that uncomfortable expansion of surrounding yourself with people that are dreaming so much bigger than you. Yeah. And it's not like a social climbing, right? Like no. I know sometimes there are people that that are called like social climbers, but like it's the rising tide that lifts all boats. And I have people that have come with me, like come mm-hmm. with me on this journey, right? Like yeah. I will still have lunch with you every day, but it was the the shaming for the overly ambitious, you know, yes. like really learning that not everybody was embracing like me just being who I am, right? Like I can't help mm. it. I can't stop it. I've tried. I've tried. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go away. You can't turn it down and you don't want to make yourself smaller than you are. I love right. that. What is the last book you read or podcast that you listen to? Oh my gosh. So Trust and Inspire is a great book if you are looking to build a team or start delegating. Even in parenting, it is really good. So it really compares this whole command and control culture versus Trust and Inspire. And I just 100% believe in focusing on a desired outcome with team, Mm. with parent, with all the things and not necessarily the path to get there. Like we can give them SOPs, we can give them tools, great. But if somebody else has a different path and the outcome is the same, great. Mm. Right? Like there's so much yeah. micromanaging in the world of like it's got to be done this way and I'm like but it's the same result and this feels better to me as a human being, you know, and I get to be more creative, like everybody's happy. Yeah, is that on Audible? Um yeah, I trust and inspire. I forget the the author. I don't have it right in front of me, but um well, yeah, I'll get great. it linked up in the show notes. It'll be good because I'm a big Audible listener and I'm like, oh, okay. I think I might – that might be my next book. I mean, even I just the that. opening scene or the opening chapter where he's teaching his son how to mow the grass is like, bing, it's like so good. Oh, okay. You have me sold. I'm definitely going to listen <laughs> to that. Okay. My last rapid fire question. What is something that you are excited about or looking forward to? Oh my gosh. So I am really excited to be condensing all of my things into one bridge. Um, So I have a lot of different offers, like little offers, big offers. And, you know, I have the community growth lab, which is a course and I've trademarked the name. So I'm really working hard behind the scenes on how can I take everything that I do and put it into that one bridge, that one Ascension model so that Mm. I become known for something that it is clean and simple and like a one-stop shop. So I'm not necessarily adding anything or taking anything away. I'm just figuring out how can all of my offers kind of cohabitate into one client journey. Oh, okay. So if anybody's listening to this and they have a similar background, they can go to your website, elizabethhenson.co and kind of watch this unfold. And is this happening this year? Yeah. So I was originally thinking like Q3 or Q4, but I'm making progress a little faster than I thought again, because there's so much overthinking that happens. So we'll see. I'm like, there's part of me that wants to just pull the trigger and do a beta beta launch like in two weeks, because <laughs> that's oh, I know. how I roll. Yes. But um, then there's part of me that wants to wait till after summer, because I am adjusting my work hours during the summer, mom life. I'll be mm-hmm. taking Mondays and Fridays, no meetings, so that I can like beach and do mom things with them and really balance that out over the summer. So we'll see. So it's either going to be like quick and dirty right now or very well planned for after they go back to school or maybe both. 
I mean, that kind of just perfectly summarizes mom life. It's either something we rush to market or it takes a little bit longer. And either way, it is beautiful. This has been so amazing. I We have to have you back for sure. Where can listeners find you, follow you, and see all of the things that you create online and join your community? Yeah. So my community is the Community Builder on Facebook. You can just go to groups and search the Community Builder. It's just a group about groups. Um, and then I'm on Instagram at Elizabeth.Henson. And that's it. Really easy to find, Elizabeth Henson. Yeah. And guys, go check out the Community Builder. I know Liz is saying it's just a group about groups, but <laughs> it is the group for building your group. So if you have a Facebook group that's kind of just crickets right now, this is where I send all of my mm. clients to just go watch some of your trainings because you did live trainings for like weeks and weeks and weeks and just dropped so much value. And I'm like, I don't need to repeat it all. Just go check out Liz's stuff um, because it really is just such a wealth of information and resources. So I will have all of that linked up in the show notes, as well as your socials and your website. And we'll certainly just have to have you back again. But thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I love this podcast so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please help me get the word out about the Call to Both podcast by taking a screenshot of this episode right now and sharing it on your social media. I would also appreciate it if you would subscribe and leave me a five-star review. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.